podcast that you're listening to is being presented to you with the cooperation of the SJ Network. If you're a person who needs a publicist and you want to appear on podcasts, contact Stephen Joyner at s-j-network.com. Let's get on with the show. Attention, Rebels of the Sherpolution. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We would like to give you a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial simply by heading to www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles of audiobooks and podcasts, including this one, to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now, the one and only Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, our award-winning customer service department is fully trained to ignore you and any of your silly questions. Welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. Now, podcasting from the Sherpa Chalet on Mount Podcastia, he's your host, Jim, the podcast Sherpa. Hey there, Rebels, and welcome to Too Many Podcasts, the podcast about podcasts. It's me, Jim, the podcast Sherpa, your personal podcast Sherpa, guiding you through the mountain of podcasts here on beautiful Mount Podcastia, and we get to know a lot of those people who bring the magic to your podcast apps, you know, in addition to me. Yeah, me me too. Don't forget about me. (laughs) This week was a really fascinating conversation with my guest. Who's our guest today, Sherpa? His name is Gabriel Symbolista, and Gabe is the host of Symbolistic Cynicism, and it's a pun on his name, of course. And Gabe is a real lover of movies. We talked a lot about horror movies, but Gabe loves all sorts of film, and he's also a composer, and he's actually worked with people who make movies to do a little music for them. So he's got a passion for movies and music. And you'll notice something that I've actually learned about Gabe in the course of this interview, which was like an added bonus for me. Gabe refers to himself as a Tourette'er, and that means that he's a person with Tourette syndrome. He has a coughing tick, so if you hear him coughing, that's just a result of his Tourette syndrome. You know, uh, we talked about it and I got to learn so much about it. There were things that I didn't know and I always felt that it's kind of a misunderstood syndrome in the body that a lot of people have to deal with. And I know Gabe hopefully wants to come out with a book one day to tell about how he's lived with it and what he knows about it. Really fascinating stuff all the way through between what he knows about movies and music and being informed here personally about Tourette syndrome. So without any further delay, let's have a listen to my interview with Gabe Symbolista. Hello there, Rebels. We are in the spooky movie room and my guest is Gabe Symbolista and he is a video editor, a photographer, videographer, a pianist, and also the host of Symbolistic Cynicism a podcast part of an of a little bit of a uh, network. It's, it's yes, it's a it's my podcast within an, an, an a team of podcasters, a, a team of uh, a te- a podcast team. So okay. I'm one of like seven groups of people or seven people okay. within one one team called the Indie Escape. The Indie it's, Escape. Okay, so Indie Escape is the name of the podcast channel, and my show on that channel is Symbolistic Cynicism. It's a play on my last name. Right. And Gabe does uh, interviews vi- via video with a lot of folks in yeah, uh, the horror genre. 
Yeah, not well. Yeah, mostly horror. Like everybody there so far has somewhat has done horror, um, and uh, I have more more people coming up. Um, my, uh, yeah, so my, I've I grew up on the horror genre since I was five. I grew, was raised in the classics. My parents raised me raised me right: classical music, classical movies, and classical rock. <laughs> so uh, I, I grew up on the classics, and I have appreciation for hundreds of years of music and over a hundred years of film. <clears throat> and cinema but horror was always my 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 number one favorite genre but i could appreciate all genres but yeah so far on my show i've had i've had my first show i had jeremy dreyfus um who is actually richard dreyfus's first wife um and she's adopted me like her her third son like my three sons <laughs> i always got to put in that reference in there but i have a new sneaker in the beginning <laughs> yeah <clears throat> well she it's funny <clears throat> so i have Tourette syndrome also so i just want to bring that up so sometimes okay. my tics come up even on the show but, but i'm very open about it because a lot of people aren't open mm-hmm. about their you know and i, I like to and sometimes some people can't help it he can't help but be open about it on my so actually jeremy and i met by chance sort of a week after i first met richard dreyfus and basically, I was I went to a con where I met Richard, a horror con, and or not strictly a horror con, but it was a horror con. And then I met a another. Then then I went to another horror con for my birthday weekend, which happens once a year on my birthday weekend every year. It's called Texas Frightmare Weekend. And actually, I was chilling with one of the Saw actors, and Saw Saw is one of my favorite movies. And I know a lot of the people involved. And one of the actors had just left <coughs> to go to the gym. I walked back inside the hotel, and it was like a. <clears throat> one of the older actresses standing there in the lobby trying to find a place to plug in her phone. And we got a conversation and I mentioned, Oh yeah, I met Richard Dreyfus about a week ago. She's like, you know who that is, right? And it was Jeremy and her and her son, Harry treated me to a late birthday lunch. We clicked and she adopted me like her third son. And uh, we, we talk on the phone all the time. And I had her for on my show for the first show, like for my first, my premiere. And I was the first one to the first Host to host a solo show, host to host to to host this show, and I had Jeremy on. And now Jeremy was in Last House, West Craven's Last House on the Left, the original, and uh, she had some interesting stories about like that you could check out on the show. Like you could view it on Facebook Live on the Indie Escape page and on on the Indie Escape YouTube page. So Jeremy. Uh, see, she spoke about uh, um, Last House on the Left. She spoke about um, her personal experiences with none other than Charles Manson <laughs> in real life. Uh, Bob Dylan, Stephen King. She she knows she worked and knows a lot of people, and uh, she even lived in the house that Sharon Tate was uh, was killed in for three and didn't know for three months till after. She she tells all these crazy stories in the podcast. You got to check it out. And then the next show, I had Larry Hankin. Mm-hmm. Who a lot of people know from Friends and Breaking Bad and Billy Madison, and um, he's you know, he's been in a lot of stuff over the years. He's he's been around a very long time, um, and he's hilarious. And then my third show, I had Mark Scheffler, who also was actually I met when I first around the time I first met Jeremy because he's Jeremy's co-star from Last House on the Left as well, and he's also a comedian. And now <coughs> I'm Jewish. And he's Jewish, and he has a character a character that is comedy in comedy called El Yid. It means the Jew in Hebrew. Very, very funny Jewish character. A character like you know, he does it in his skits, and he's very funny. And for my fourth show, which was actually just last night, 
I had Jen Feldy, a Jen Feldy, Jenny Feldy, who's actually an old friend of mine who I met at a fashion show that an old friend of mine was hosting. And Jen was a co-host, was another host at this fashion show. And, um, yeah, Jen and I became friends and, uh, she, she became like a horror actress in addition to modeling. She's always been a health and nutrition health, you know, a health coach, um, and trainer. And then she, she does comedy now too, but she does, she's done a ton of horror movies over the last few years. She works with trauma films now. So that was last night's show. And next week I have another horror actress who's going to be on the show. Her name is, um, Ashley Lawson. And then the following week, I should be having my friend Ari Barkin, who's been in a lot of a lot of things. Ashley's been in horror, but Ari, I don't know if he's really done horror, but he's done one horror comedy. But he's worked with The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. He was in his web his, his web uh, web series. He's been in at least two movies with Liam Neeson and a show with Liam Neeson's son. He's worked on Orange Is the New Black. He's been in Alone Order SVU, Blue Bloods. He's been in a ton of things. And he actually has a new co- movie coming out with uh, several of them with quite a cast. And he's, yeah, he's been in movies with Ron Perlman and um, Jessica Soar. And, uh, and she, a lot, he's been in a lot. Ari's been in a lot. So uh, I'm having him on. And then I'm right now I'm working on my future guests uh, for December. Okay. But yeah. So you said that horror was your first love was there any particular movie that kicked it off for you it's interesting actually (laughs) well music was also my first love i played piano 26 years but horror was like i was five and i didn't start playing piano until i was eight i started taking lessons actually um but it's uh, funny because and it's literally funny because abba and castello meet frankenstein was actually the film that got me into horror (laughs) even though it's more of a a comedy spinoff on horror but the um but the first, I'd say the first horror, actual horror film I ever watched, I was probably five as well. And it was Bride of Frankenstein. But I think the first film that really, I actually had my first favorite actor and the first real favorite horror film was House on Haunted Hill, which I probably watched when I was six or seven and that gave me nightmares. <laughs> and this is the original one with Vincent Price. And that was like one of my favorite. And because of that movie, he's one, he's, Vincent Price was like my first favorite actor. And I met his daughter once and she was a sweetheart. And, um, because he was also one of his last films was um, Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. And I cried when his character died. She still told me I cry every time. And uh, yeah, Victoria Price is her name. She promotes her father's stuff. And I, she's a, such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was the, I was raised on the classics. Um, I remember there was a show called the Horror Hall of Fame, which was like Academy Awards for horror films that happen every year. And my mother one night woke me up when I was like six, six or so. Uh, six or something and in the middle of the night or like 11 to watch this horror and because she knew I was getting into it and we cover it on our faces with a, a blanket whenever the scary you know clips popped up but because they weren't really gory I mean they had some comedy gory stuff but like um, it was yeah so I was raised on that I, I, I ended up falling into like aliens and the Chucky films like when I was like really young so right now very little scares I mean ghost films are more what scare me now but like most horror films don't scare me much. Sudden zombie stuff. You know, my, I even had professors in college that called um, The Walking Dead a documentary. You know, so, <laughs> so you can imagine how much of, how, how much of a fun class that was. <laughs> and that's interesting that you said that you were raised on the classic horror where there really wasn't a lot of gore. But yeah. today's horror, that's what it really kinds, 
kind of yeah thrives well, on. Yeah, it's well, it's it's not well, the people. You know, Stephen King even said, I don't, I don't agree with this. That oh, good, only good horror movies are scary. Like horror needs to be scary, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. Good a good horror needs to be scary. Like it doesn't. Can I tell you something? Like I even asked my friend, did you were you did you like every movie that scared the crap out of you? He was like, oh no. And like, and like, like, like there are like people say, oh, good horror is scary. No, it's that's us saying a good comedy is funny. Like a comedy could be funny. doesn't mean it's, it's a good comedy. You know, it's a good, or a good, it's a great movie. You know, like a, 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 a so, so horror movie can be scary. Doesn't you know, it doesn't make it a great horror movie or a good, you know, I wouldn't say good. Like, I think all movies have their, have their pros and cons mm-hmm. and their trait, their good traits and their flaws. Um, even my favorite movies, I could acknowledge flaws. I could watch my, I could watch movies I love and see flaws and I could watch stuff I hate and still or don't really like and acknowledge like that's great cinematography. That's great writing. That's great. That's a great twist. That's great acting. That's great CGI or great, um, uh, prosthetics, you know, but I don't have to like the thing, you know, it's, it's not all about being scared and people, you know, it may go to that extreme to claim that it is, but you're, nobody loves every horror movie that scares them. They don't say it's a good movie just because it scares them. Right. Just like you don't like a comedy is not isn't a great comedy just because it's funny. So it's I think true. it's it's an extreme that it's sort of like I don't think a movie's superior because it came first, which I know a lot of people feel because like it's that norm that's been put in people's heads because it's an original. It's superior to everything that came after. Like how? Like you know, I understand there are sometimes reasons and ex, you know logical re- reasoning behind that. Like if you have like you know. Like, oh, this was simplicity. This was great. This was, it, it really got me at first. But you know what? It, it's not all about because it came first. That's not a re, you know, just because it was the first, it, because it was the original, just because the original, it's like saying like the only trait I want to focus on in a movie is character development. Everything else is irrelevant or like it's because it's original. Uh, therefore, everything else, like I'll focus on the originality or the lack of originality. Like there's so many traits to a film that you could acknowledge and not let one one simple one single trait obliterate every all the other good features of it and that's why it's hard i don't like listening to people it's hard for me to communicate with you know but i still i, I mean i i won't argue with everybody it's like arguing politics you can't convince it's like trying to convince somebody somebody the baby isn't cute can't do it unless their baby's actually not cute but let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> you, you get into a whole different episode there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to your point, with a movie being scary or funny, it's it still has to have the whole package to yes. make it memorable. Because I'm sure you and I have both seen movies where, like, well, yeah, the special effects are great, but the story was stupid, and the movie becomes right. forgettable. Right. Right. No. Right. No. A hundred percent. But I'm saying is like it. 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 it uh, there are there. For example, there could be like people. But the thing is, like, people allow uh, an ending to ruin the rest of the movie for them. Yes, the ending is important, but, like, if you love the movie up until the ending, pe- people people often say, oh, that was a bad movie. Like, people, people like, say, like, it's like the people who say Star Wars, is their childhood is ruined because they didn't like the new movies. Or Game of Thrones, like, they were so bothered by the last season that the whole, the whole show is ruined for them. Like, if you could allow a single element like that to drown out the all the good, Good. How about thing about maybe allowing more some of the good traits to drown out the bad a little bit more? You know what I mean? It shouldn't mm-hmm. be so extreme. Sure. But I, I hear what you mean. Listen, I I think there's all different types of horror. There's gore horror, there's scary horror. For me, real life horror is scarier than horror 
movies. Like the news, I find scarier than horror movies. War movies and and depressing, depressing like romantic romantic films that turn out to be completely or romantic comedies or comedies that end up being so depressing. Like funny, uh, what's the funny people? Was like was a was, everybody thought it was a comedy, but it turned out to be the most depressing. It lasted like two hours too long, yeah. and then like like click like it was supposed to be a comedy, but it was so freaking depressing. Yeah, but I mean, like it was a comedy. A lot of it, majority of the ending was depressing, but yeah. it you know what. It did take away, but it didn't drown the rest of it. But you know what? Comedies are, you know, it's sort of like you have these romantic movies that are supposed to, they seem like dramas and romantic. They're like, oh, it's such, it's such a depressing ending. And not that it takes away from the rest of it, but it's like, like a lot of these movies do thrive on the ending in terms of that. It, when, when you like a movie that wants to tie something all together, whether it be a horror movie that has a great story that has like an end twist that like will shape the ending, shape the story or a romantic comedy that has a great love story, but ends up being, Oh, the girl dies at the end. And like, there's no closure, you right. know, that could take away a lot from the movie. Yes. But like something where it's like a cliffhanger or the ending wasn't as great as you thought it would be, but it's not necessarily like a bummer, you know, like guess everybody has their pet peeves and their, uh, what grinds their gears or grinds their organs, I guess, so to speak in this situation. You said that Vincent Price was one of your favorite classical. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll tell you, he was my first Donald okay. Pleasance. Donald Pleasance was my second okay. just because of his role as Dr. Loomis in Halloween. He was, and I'll tell you, Gary Oldman and Tobin Bell are my other two favorites. Okay. Gary Oldman was like, he was the modern day Lon Chaney before Johnny Depp was. Because the man of a thousand, like he could, he all these identities from Dracula to Beethoven, excuse me, to Commissioner Gordon, all these that character in Fifth Element, he he took on so many appearances and nailed the characters. Like he was, he did a phenomenal performance in such in so many different. And, and oh, and then he f- finally got an got an award for um, for playing Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour. But he was one of the most underrated actors that he never received an award for such amazing performances for like 30, 40 years until The Darkest Hour, you know? And then Tobin Bell, I love because of Saw, most of all, most of Saw. But Donald Pleasance, I think because of, uh, one of my favorite characters of all time in any movie is Dr. Samuel Loomis in in the Halloween franchise because of Donald Pleasance's performance. Like, no, but like, it was just one of a kind. What exactly got you into doing a podcast? I mean, was it just you had this love of movies and you said, well, this yes. is like a natural evolution? No. Well, so I've 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 actually wrote a piano piece for an upcoming horror movie. I, I, I love I met a lot of horror actors over the years. I've become friends with a lot of them, you know, people in the industry. Um, it's all about being civil and being real. But like, yeah, the podcast, um, basically at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, um, <coughs> my friend. This guy I know through my friend Dan Yeager, this guy Joe, <laughs> was running a, a podcast, not a pod, he, they start, he with George, at the time, George A. Ramiro, no, George, sorry, George C. Ramiro, not George, you know, the son, they had started a podcast together, and not a podcast, sorry, an online con which was the first horror con online heart, one of those online horror cons during the pandemic that really like people, it, it, fans came on to talk to like Kane Hodder and, and other, and other people. In, um, I think it was Michael Berryman and R.A. Mikhailov from, from all these, from all these horror films. 
And as after the pandemic like got better, um, it was that was called the Indie Brigade, but it's no longer the Indie Brigade. And uh, George C. Ramirez is no longer involved. And Joe put together a team with like other people on the team, Brandon E. Brooks, who's worked in film. A lot of people who've worked on the in the in, in the horror industry and film industry. And I haven't I haven't worked in the horror film industry. I mean, I've written a piano piece for a couple of horror films. One of them didn't come out. One of them is coming out soon. <clears throat> I know a lot of people in the industry, but I have a very expansive knowledge on this stuff. So Joe invited me to be a host or a co-host along with the other hosts. And, uh, I was honored and I couldn't say no. And, uh, I'm not used, I'm not used to hearing my own voice. So, but I'm now I'm getting used to, I'm now I'm getting more used to it. <laughs> I'm not great at public speaking, but you know, actually solo. And I'm, I actually wrote, I've been writing a book on Tourette's in the last nine years mm-hmm. and actually I haven't been working on the second draft, which I, I've, I've, I finished the first draft back in 2016. <laughs> so I'm very behind, but Dan Yeager, who is the guy I really know Joe through Dan Yeager is leather was played Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3D. Okay. <clears throat> we met on the saw cruise nine years ago, <laughs> 2012, <laughs> very, in, you know, and in, in, in very, very close encountered, like chill with the, a lot of the saw actors, though Dan wasn't in saw, he was in Texas Chainsaw mask the three the 3d one and um dan helped me a lot with my book i mean like not directly but he helped me with a lot of the structure and motivation and he's a, it's always the villains the ones who play like the craziest roles for the most sophisticated actors <laughs> like bill mosley went to yale and he plays the craziest actors in horror film like psychotic and it's great and dan knows him but dan then also like dan played leatherface and he's one of the most smartest one of the smartest most intelligent well-read like he he reads religiously He's such a smart man and he plays one of the most iconic car slashers of all time. And that's like, that's the way most horror, the horror slashers are. And, you know, they're the gentle giants and, um, and, uh, j- just giant teddy bears, you know, great guys. And it's amazing. But yeah, so I got hired on the podcasts and I started in October. I had to send my computer into Apple because it's a hardware issue. But so I missed out a couple of weeks. But yeah, I just had my fourth show last night. And that was with my friend Jen Feldy. So it was Jeremy Dreyfus, Mar- uh, Larry Hankin, Mark Scheffler, Jenny Feldy. Next week, I have Ashley Lawson, who's a horror actress. And then I have my friend Ari Barkin. I'm working on getting uh, future future uh, people. I'm going to have Dan on at some point. I got to talk to him about that. And I have other people. I, sp- I actually spoke to Damien Leone, who direct, who is in the creators of Terrifier, the Terrifier, um, about having him on. I haven't heard back from him yet about that, but we're, I'll work on it. He, he loves my puns. I, they're not my puns. I like to make people laugh a lot. So, and like you said about this podcast, it's about having fun. That's what we do. It's, it doesn't have, we don't have to limit it to horror on the podcast. We could talk about anything, but we like to always like reference and talk about the horror films involved, you know, and, and, and there's always somebody on who has been in or been involved in horror in one way or another, but it, we don't, we don't restrict it to that because we, <laughs> we want it to be a family, we want it to be welcome. And we don't want it to be like, Oh, you can't be on because, you know, we shouldn't have them on because you, you know, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Yeah. So it's a broad topic of, of movies and you can just kind of draw it all. It could in. be comedy. It could be, it could yeah. be cinema, music, it, you know, but it always has some, a lot of elements or some element or of cinema and storytelling and writing, so, you know, a lot of cinematic stuff. You were talking about that you were writing a book about 
living with Tourette's. And I know yeah. that's, that's something that's very misunderstood with people, isn't it? I mean, they, they yeah. kind of make general assumptions. They say, well, yeah, it's a neurological thing and they, and the person yeah. develops ticks, but that's usually all that they really understand about it. Yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, so you curse all the time because that's like the funny, like the mainstream media, like the fun. But I, and I, you know what? I'm some people are bothered by that. I just roll my eyes and internally roll them and mm-hmm. say like, you know what? It's, it's more than that. Like that's like, it's called, that's called corporalia. It's like 5% of the people who have Tourette's have that. And I have it, but not necessarily always like you see, like, you know, I have it at times, but it's not the only, like I, when I was a kid, from first through fifth grade, I had only vocal tics. Like I would scream at the top of my lungs from my, my throat. Like it would like, and I was bullied verbally. I was never bullied physically, thankfully. And in fifth grade, out of nowhere, I had, I developed motor tics, which are physical tics. So my whole body would lay on the floor. I'd kick and punch things and I would jump off, like my whole body would jump off the bed, like on from my back. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to be homeschooled for a majority of my fifth grade year. Um, because like I would lay in school, I would lay on the floor, I'd kick and punch desks. I would accidentally kick my friends. And it was, it's, it looked like I was having a seizure. Um, and, but as I got old and uh, when I, and I started playing piano when I was eight. So when I sat down to practice, my tics would go away, but when I, in front of an audience, I got nervous, but that would, but it's interesting because a lot of people with Tourette's, when they focus on something that they love, the tics, their, their tics suppress, you know, suppress, I think that's sure. the word, but a lot of, you know, and I met people in the Tourette's community who, who, um, like, and people who are famous who have Tourette's, like Nat and Alex Wolf from the Naked Brothers band on Nickelodeon. Nat has Tourette's. His father has Tourette's. His father's more obvious, but nobody, and Nat's been in Death Note. He's been in work with Selena Gomez in Behaving Badly and Paper Towns. And he has Tourette's, but you never would have known. And they've had the X Factor finalist who I met. Uh, I forgot his name, Carlos Guevara, who sang amazing like his tics go away when he sings you right. never would have guessed i had friends for like half a semester at school who didn't know until i mean i have friends who until half of the way through the semester they had no idea i had Tourette's. they thought i just had a coughing tick but as i got older you know i had those full body tics when i was young i got older and in my late teen years i i developed i, I the tics got smaller like one like on neck and arm and and some vocal a lot of vocal ones but they became more constant so mm-hmm. the full body ones were like I could feel it coming on so I could leave the classroom. Smaller ones are, they're so frequent that it's all the time. So now instead of when I sit down to practice, instead my tics bother me a lot. And when I sit in front of an audience to play, my, the fear of screwing up psychologically takes over and I play better in front of an audience than when I do when I practice. So it reverse itself. Yeah, it reverse itself. But still focusing on stuff I love does usually help me. It, I try to, I try it for like the piano. I've been better recently with focusing, you know, not letting the ticks get too bad. Like I, if not, I would listen to music, watch a movie, do work. I do video editing. And like when I'm working, I, I try, I get, I sometimes get ticky when I'm sitting at a computer for so long, but like sometimes, but like I'm, when I'm focused and really into something when I'm, and it's, it's very, it is very psychological. Like when I remind myself, like, like don't think about anything when you're watching, just focus on the, like auditory and, 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 um, aud- audible and, um, visual stimulation is very helpful for people with Tourette's, like whether it be playing an instrument or listening to music you love, it's, it's very healthy and very helpful. And I have friends, I have a friend whose Tourette's is worse than anybody I know. 
like his is 24 seven. He's better at home, but he's miserable in, in, in public. Me, when I'm in public, my ticks are like ice, like ice, like my ticks shut, you know, shut that, like they hide, like I'm psychologically, it takes over. But when I'm in home, like, I, so I, I go, I go crazy. So my version of working from home is usually sitting at a cafe or an office and doing work because I get more distracted with doing other stuff when I'm sitting at home than when sitting in a cafe or like, you know, like some people study better in the library with no sound or some people study in crowded areas better with, with headphones on it, like a Starbucks. That's me. I need the traffic around me. I get less distracted. I'm more focused with the traffic going on around me. Everybody's different, but that's it. it, It's healthier for my Tourette's and I'm, I'm very sociable. Like because of my Tourette's, I missed out on a lot of my childhood and teenage life it, like in normal stuff. Cause I went to BOCI school for middle school for kids with special, special issues. And, you know, and for high school, I went to a private school, you know, I needed places that could, that dealt with people with disabilities because I'm Jewish. So my yeshiva didn't really know how to deal with it, but I almost didn't go to college. And I was told by a vocational test, vocational testing that I would not succeed in college, but I went to Nassau community. I graduated cum laude, honors, Dean's list, Phi Theta Kappa, and then I went to Queens College, graduated Dean's List, um, also uh, and I got scholarships at both colleges. And then I went to School of Visual Arts. So I don't like when people tell you what you can and can't do, especially when it's some, via some stupid test. And I have friends who've been told that and they thrived. And they, they become so successful in areas they were told they can never succeed in. And, and when you're doubted by other people, you doubt yourself. And I still doubt myself, even when I'm, I'm doing great, great. And when I surprise, and I've surprised the hell out of myself, I've surprised a hell out of people who doubted me or thought, you know, maybe I couldn't do this or maybe it's not realistic. So my long, my long-term goal is to direct in, in film eventually, but I, I love, I love cinema. I love working with people and I love the creative fields. That's why I love music. I love piano. I love working in video editing and photography and videography. I love music and I love cinema. So that's why one of the biggest things I focus on when I watch a film is the soundtrack. It really uh, emphasizes and magnifies the the feel. It's so relevant. It, sure. it, it has such a such an essence and such a such a power over the film. A while back, I uh, got to interview a director who's done some uh, indie horror films. His name is Colin Bressler, and he was a really super nice guy. And on his website, you could see the little you know, promos for his movies. And I said, you know, even if I wasn't looking at the movie, the music that you have playing is, is enough to scare the hell out of a person. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because like I, one of my favorite movies is in, horror movies from the recent years is Insidious. Okay. And I and I thought it was terrifying. I have friends who didn't like it, but they said the soundtrack is what made the movie. It's what made the scares that much more mm-hmm. terrifying. That that like they they weren't a fan of the movie stuff, but they, the scares were like magnified by those by the the soundtrack. And the guy who does it, I, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. He does a lot of James Wan's uh, horror film. Like he's the um, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. We're actually friends on Facebook, but actually Lynn Shea, who's in Insidious, knows me. And I actually, she, she, we're friends on Facebook. We met, had met before, but she reached out to me a few years ago to, 
to be of help to a friend of her son who was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. And when somebody who's like the godmother of, like, even if she wasn't the godmother of Harns, like when somebody asks me for help with something, I've, I've, I've tried to help friends who, cause they know, I know a lot of people help them send out resumes to get jobs. Even if I haven't spoken to that friend much, somebody asks me for help. I offer my help. Cause you know, goodness comes back to you. You know, it's that, it's that kindness. It's that general. And you know what? It's not a lot of time out of my day to be of help to somebody else, especially when they're my friend. But Lynn reached out to me because a friend of her son was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. And this was a number of years ago. And I've been, I helped. And just even before we even spoke on the phone, me and her friend and I, we just texted and her friend texted me. I'm so glad I met you, even though we just texted, because I know my son could live a full and happy life. And I broke down crying because it's the whole reason I started my book to turn my curse into a gift to like help people mm-hmm. and like not let my pain that I still deal with go in vain for so long. And Lynn holds me in such high regard. She looks when people you grew up watching love you and look up to you and are inspired by you. It's like my heart, like grow, like it's like, so, you know, and when somebody tells you change, like, but nothing was as great as what that mother said to me. And I'm, we're still in touch. And her son's threats have sometimes been better when mine was worse, but that's how it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've, I've, I've spoken to Carrie Elwes about my book. I've spoken to Jamie Lee Curtis about my book. I know Carrie Elwes. I just met, met Jamie Lee Curtis, but I know Carrie Elwes. I'm going to see him soon. And he wants to read my book. And, uh, you know, Michael Berryman from Hills Have Eyes. I've spoken to him about it because he's also writing a book. It's very amazing why just being civil and kind and human and just being real and just, just, just really compassionate and authentic can, can, can connect you with people, you know? I I think because you probably learned to live with it the the right way. uh, Yeah. For for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. You find yourself really giving it a voice that probably a lot of people don't get to hear. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people don't understand it, but you you know what, even what you've explained in this short time, it it really like, it sheds light on things that probably, you know, the folks that are listening to this right now, they they would probably like, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, it's some, you know, it's, I'll be honest. It's not, it's not biologically life-threatening, but it can be psychologically. Like I've Mm -hmm. battled suicide. I've never actually tried, but like I've dealt with it. You know, I've, I've thought about it in my life and I, you know, Tourette's usually comes with other things like OCD, depression, anxiety, ADHD or ADD. I don't have ADD or ADHD. I have some tendencies from it, but I have OCD. I have anxiety. I have depression. And the depression is actually the worst, sometimes worse than Tourette's, but the Tourette's is, um, you know, I'm very conscious of my vocal tics in public. And I get, and I, and I've been, I've dealt with, I've dealt with like people, especially during the Ebola pandemic or when I was at college, it was during the Ebola pandemic and people heard my, you know, they got the wrong idea and I got people yelling at me. I almost had to, there were times my verbal tics were so bad. I couldn't finish a sentence, let alone a word without a coughing tick. And I have coughing tics. I have laughing tics and they're so uncomfortable and I'm so self-conscious of them and people hear them and they notice and just me noticing because I could sense people with Tourette's could sense when people stare at them and that when people are, and it's, 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 it's frustrating because you only, it only builds up the frustration and the tension and the uncomfortable, you know, the, you're only more conscious of your, of it. And it, it, it builds and it still happens. Like people, some people, it gets better as you get older, but not everybody is like that. Some people it just evolves. And so it's, it's, it's learning to grow and living with it, but not everybody has had it 
you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I have it easy. I've said I, there are times I've had it easy or easier, mm-hmm. but some people have it 24 seven, like the word, it's like a nightmare. And I have a friend who's like that and my heart breaks for him. And he doesn't want, he hasn't gone to college because of it. He's just such a sweet kid. He's such a good soul. And I am, he's such a strong per, you know, he's, he's, but he's, he's gotten through more than I could ever have gotten through being him. But then again, like, you know, like I say, you know, like we don't know what we could have lived with if we didn't, you know, if we grew up with it, like we, you know, but I hate my Tourette's, but I also love it because I hate it for the pain it caused me, but I love it because it shaped me as the person that I am. I'd rather be somebody who's empathetic and doesn't like to hurt people or get off on hurting people right. uh, than, than be some, I'd rather be, you know, somebody who's tries to be their best to be compassionate, understanding and accepting than somebody who gets off on hurting people and bullies and condescends and the grades and people for doing nothing, doing nothing, but being different or having issues you know, I, I, I can never, I can never find happiness in doing that, but I know a lot of people who do that, who've done it to me. And I, I just, it's, I don't get people who get off on getting under people's skin and hurting others. Yeah. And I've dealt with that a lot of my life. Yeah. It, it gave you a built in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. When you talked about uh, playing the piano and everything like that, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Game. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> is, is there a particular movie and like any kind of movie, obviously, that you wish that you did the soundtrack for? A movie I wish, well, can I say something? I love the song. The song movies are my favorite okay. movies. Like I grew up on a lot of films. I appreciate a lot of films. And I know they're all, some of them are flawed, but I, I, that doesn't take away. Like, I mean, there's whether it be continuity issues, but you know what? That doesn't, that doesn't take away from the movie for me. Mm-hmm. And I love all the Saw movies, even the, one, either, even the ones I'm conflicted about. But I love them all. And honestly, I, you know, it's, I wouldn't say I would want to compose one, but I would want to collaborate, if I ever could, with Charlie Klaus. And I, Darylin Bousman, who's the, one of the Saw directors, knows me. James Wan also knows who I am. James Wan is the, one of the creators. He likes my puns and my piano playing. He's seen me play. Darren Lynn Bousman, who also directed Saw films, has seen me play. I played for the Saw cast on the Saw Cruise, um, some of the cast. Um, and Darren, you know, Darren, I, Darren had me on one of his live streams. He does with fans. He brings fans on. But he had Charlie Klauser on, who's the composer for the Saw films, who originally, originally was an instrumentalist for Nine Inch Nails. And I just, he brought me something because like I wanted, I asked what, what program he uses, but I never, I never actually spoke to Charlie Klauser, but like, I would love if I would love to work on a soft film. That's one of my dreams to work on, to work on one of the soft films, future soft films, which they are planning. Um, but I would love to write, not write, but like collaborate with, with Charlie Klauser on Cause I play, I played the soft theme on piano. I had to come up with it before the sheet music was ever made available for anybody. Cause I watched the movies and listened to the music over and over. So I could, cause I usually read music. I, I don't play by ear. So okay. I had to constantly, you know, go back and blur and go back. Like that's how I taught myself Requiem for a dream. I didn't use this, you know, but those are the only two pieces I had to like use my, you know, the, I had to, listen to but like i love playing the saw piece and i played it for a lot of the cast and i would love to and i i played like variations on it and that's something i would love to incorporate with charlie into on a piano because usually it's a very it's very industrialized type of music but i would i love when they incorporate piano in there because i love like that's i love when any like even eminem when he has or when they have orchestra and raps 
I love when they intertwine genres to make it more powerful and intense or, or soft or creepy. So like to, to put more piano in the saw theme is something I would love to do. Like okay. to, have, to, to be, to play a role in that, to have more piano play it, 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 it within the overall saw theme at the end twist to give it more of that, not Halloween feel, but that, you know, that, that soft or even intense feel. I would love to do that. I was kind of ruminating in my mind when, when you were telling me this, you said that you were on the saw cruise. I could imagine you sitting in the lounge and playing a loungy version of the saw theme or something like Well, that. it's actually, it was a piano lounge, but no, no, I was, I was, no, right. I should, I should have done like a jazzy thing. I've actually, <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that I've never done that to the saw theme, but I've done that to Requiem for a dream, okay. which was like, not actually difficult at all. It just, I accidentally played at a certain tempo and, and like feel by accident. I think maybe because of my ticks or because my finger got, you know, I lock my finger and I like, Hey, that sounds really like, you know? So I like, I did like, um, like, 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 and it's funny because like Clinton Mansell, who did the Requiem for a Dream soundtrack also did, because uh, when I'm thinking, uh, you know, the soundtrack for Smoke and Aces, which you listen to the soundtrack, it's very sounds, it sounds similar to Requiem for a Dream, sort of like, you know, certain pieces you hear by certain artists. So like, you know, it, and Smoke and Aces has a, can have a jazzy feel to the music. So Requiem for a Dream can be played in a jazzy way, which I've done, but I've done it with Pachelbel's Canon too. I played okay. in a jazzy way. So, yeah, it's, it's that, gonna be for a little easy. quicker moving wedding, right? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, it's actually it wasn't. Did it was actually parts were spent. Yeah, a little bit, but actually, it would be it would be more for the dance than the walking down the aisle. I'd say <laughs> if I did that. <laughs> okay, so Gabe, are you ready for a little bit of uh, shameless self promotion? Shameless self promotion. Shameless self promotion. Uh, well, can I do? Uh, Guilty. Well, I'm Jewish, so I have to have shame. I have to be shameless and get, get, have some guilt. Um, so yes. Yeah, so self promotion. So the name of my the pod, the podcast uh, show I'm on is symbol again symbolistic cynicism. That's C Y M B A L I S T I C. And I always have forget how you spell cynicism, but you know it's it's also C Y C Y and you know hold on you know what let me bring up the uh, the icon right now. <laughs> so I so I spell it correctly because I yeah, you don't spell your podcast wrong. That could be a problem, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because it's like it's like you can't spell Google without Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you know, you can't spell Schwarzenegger without Google. Sorry, see, I screwed that up. <laughs> I like uh, the other one though. <laughs> yeah, right. That's because that sounds ridiculous. Here, so symbolistic cynicism. So fully spelt out is C Y M B A L I S T I C space C Y N I C I S M, and the name of the podcast channel that we're on is the Indie Escape. The Indie Escape. I don't think I have to spell that out for you. And um, my, my, I don't have a fan Facebook page, but I have my personal Facebook page is Gabe Bez Symbolista. My last name is spelled C-Y-M-B-A-L-I-S-T-A. My middle name is Bitsalel. So I just just do Gabe space B-E-Z Symbolista. My LinkedIn is Gabriel Symbolista. Gabe Symbolista is my Twitter. My Instagram 
is Gabriel Symbols Photography. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-C-Y-M-B-A-L-S Photography, but it should come up under Gabriel Symbols. I don't only post work-related stuff. I post a lot of funny stuff. I have a lot of people in the film industry who follow me on both Facebook and um, Instagram, including some of the saw people, people, a lot of people involved in horror. Um, and it's, it's just amazing when you grow up watching these people and they become fans of yours, you know, and the movie I wrote a piano piece for that's coming out uh, of it's hopefully very soon. They're in post is called appetite for sin. And it starts stars, Robert Mukes, Eva Hamilton, Ari Lehman of the Friday the 13th franchise, Leanna Quigley, Screen Queen Leanna Quigley, um, Joe Castro. So her, oh, so Eva Hamilton, Ari Lehman, Robert Mukes, Aileen Dietz, Devaney Pinn, Sean Phillips, Sherry Davis. Yeah, you, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that Julianne Prescott, and I wrote a piano piece for this upcoming horror film. Um, the other, the other one I am not going to mention yet because I don't know what the deal is. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I was actually on a show on, you guys should check it out on the, on uh, AMC about talking about Tourette's and, 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 and my battle. And I actually got a job in the city through it. Um, the show is called the employables. It was originally in the BBC in Canada. It was on the BBC in Canada and they brought it to America and somebody reached out and they had me on the season one. They only did one season in America. It's, on episode four it's called the the episode four of the employables you can find on amazon or the amc app no no sorry not AMC, a and e a and e sorry not amc a and d okay and they help people with autism and and tourette's get jobs that i have tourette's i had somebody else with autism i was working but i wanted a real job where there's benefits and stuff i was doing video editing at the time as a non an independent contractor um and i've had a lot of experience even before i went to college so now I'm I'm still employed by them, but I haven't I haven't uh, I haven't been back to the we haven't really been back to the office much since before COVID. But I have plenty of work that's going on, thankfully. And I only wrote the piano piece this this past May for this, uh, you know. So I'm very excited, or this past summer. So I'm very excited about that, and I'm looking forward to carrying on my podcast. But um, yeah, anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me. If they want to, you know, get to know me, I'm very, I'm very, I'm, I like helping people if they ever, you know, with like, you know, if somebody has Tourette's or, uh, you know, that's the whole reason I'm writing my book. I like, I want, I'm not just limiting it to helping people with Tourette's, but my my life story, it's like a memoir to, to really, you know, reach people who've battled certain, you know, issues, whether they're the same ones as me, mine or some, or some others. Listen, I've been able to help people in areas I couldn't help myself. And I was always that single friend who helped friends with relationship advice. You know, usually that's like Stevie Wonder asking Ray Charles for directions, but I was actually successful in helping my uh, non-single friends with relationship advice, which is, was something I was happy to help, but it was, it, you know, like I said, able to help people in areas I can help myself, in, but I'm, I'm always happy to help people because, you know, I know what it's like to feel helpless and feel alone at times and, you know, pain, sometimes the cure for the pain isn't the pain. But, uh, and I never met a strong person with an easy past. So we, and we never grew out of growing up and remember that, you know, you're just because we feel weak. doesn't mean we are weak. Sometimes, you know, we just, you know, yeah. If I keep quoting, making quotes, I'm going to, I'm going to slur at some point, you know, (laughs) it's like sort of like, yeah, once you get to a certain amount of sequels, you're going to have inconsistencies and continuity errors, but that's how it is. But like, you know, that's why I don't judge sequels for, for continuity errors or being inconsistent because it, that's always how it's been. 
you know, especially when you have different directors and writers, but you know what? Let, just don't let that ruin the movie for you. <laughs> okay. So we've been talking to Gabe Symbolista of the Symbolistic Cynicism podcast on the Indie Escape Network. <laughs> so maybe we'll get some of those other guys on here one of these days. Yeah, that'd uh, be cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and you really learned a lot here and uh, keep doing the good thing and fighting the good fight, my friend. Yeah. Thank you, man. And thank you for having me on, Jim. And I'm gl- I hope hopefully this reaches some people, not just for the, for the sake of my podcast and stuff, but I hope something I said could help somebody who's to it or somebody else who they could say something to somebody to help somebody. Cause you know, we like, I once had a customer that said, we all, I asked him, do you need help? Like, well, we all need help some more than others. And you know what? He's right. That was the best response I ever got from a customer. And that was years ago in retail. But yeah, thanks for having me on, Jim. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. We're on that internet thingy at SherpaLution.com. And now it's time for Sherpa Suggestions. So in addition to checking out Gabe's podcast, Symbolistic Cynicism, here's a few other podcasts that you might want to check out as well. I know Gabe says that he likes a lot of other different types of movies, and we did talk a lot about horror, but I had so much fun looking through this list. I love some of the titles of these horror podcasts, so I figured I would share them with you. There is Nightmare on Film Street. I think we mentioned that once before. The New Flesh Horror Movies Podcast. Werewolf Ambulance, The Horror Movie Survival Guide, Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast, Throbbing with Horror, The Scream Scene Podcast, We Are Horrified, a horror movie podcast, Alone in the Dark Horror Movie Podcast, Watch Out Horror Movie Reviews, the Texas Podcast Massacre. And finally, It's Only a Podcast, a horror movie review show. And oddly enough, that's what a lot of listeners say about my show. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. Thank you so much to Gabriel Symbolista of Symbolistic Cynicism. And be sure to check out his podcast for lots of stuff about cool movies and lots of great interviews. And if you want some more of this show, just keep listening every Wednesday and just subscribe. If you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you might be listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify, or maybe even some of the lesser one knowns like Radio Public or Good Pods or any of those other small ones or any of the big ones, I'm there, even Amazon Music. Whichever one is your pleasure. And you can also hear me on my own website, SherpaLution.com. And you can see what's going on at the Sherpa Chalet if you pay a visit and catch all the episodes that you may have missed. Wow. Wow, that's exciting, isn't it? Okay. (laughs) I just got myself all happy about that. And also, I wanted to mention one last thing. Uh, Before the season started, I mentioned that I wanted to do a special episode to celebrate reaching 200 episodes of this podcast. And who do I want to be a guest? I want you. You, you, you. You over there. Maybe not you with the hat, but you, the one next to the one with the hat. 
podcast. I want you to come on the podcast. And I want to get to know some of my listeners. Let's hear from the rebels of the Sherpa Lucian. Say hello. Talk a little bit about yourself. Say what you like. Say what you don't like. Well, just say what you like. I think that's easier that way. Or you can even do that with a five-star review at Apple Podcasts if you want to. But if you follow me on social media... I will be posting information relatively soon, and we will try and set this up. I would love to have a bunch of people come on and have a lot of fun with me, because that's what I have with my guests. Why not join in on the fun, right? Simple enough. I think that works. Okay, Mr. Bruce, I'm done. Let's get out of here. Everybody, viva la revolution. Bye.